Welcome back to True Crime Corner. I'm your host, Lisa Craven. This is episode 11. Cindy Vale went missing on August 26, 2011. She was from Omaha, Nebraska, and she was 16 years old at the time of her disappearance, and she would be 32 years old today. She's 5 foot 2 and 115 pounds. She was 5 to 6 months pregnant at the time of her disappearance. The clothes she was last seen wearing are a gray t-shirt and jeans. Her classification, according to the Charlie Project, is now listed as an, an endangered runaway. She is a Hispanic female with black hair and brown eyes. She also has a mole on her right eye and one on her chin. She was pregnant with a baby girl and she planned to name her Selena. She was due to give birth in December of 2011. When she disappeared from Omaha on August 26th, 2011, she left a note behind and her mother found it under her pillow. The note read, quote, I am living with a lady, end quote. Authorities believe that she left on her own accord and she still may be in the area. She used to be a student at Bryan High School. Few details are available about her case. If you have any information on the disappearance or whereabouts of Cindy Vale, please call the Omaha Police Department at 402-444-5600. This was the information that I was able to find just finding a case about somebody who is a pregnant missing woman. So all of this was the only information I had from her um, from the Charlie Project, which is a website. If you follow Missing Person Cases, it's a great resource. Um, they have a lot of links to the person if there's any um, Facebook pages or if there's any groups that are run by them uh, for that person, it's all there. So I actually was able to find a group, um, a Facebook page called Looking for Cindy Vale. It's actually run by her mother, Olga. And it was created a few years after Cindy disappeared and that's probably because Facebook groups weren't really a thing until you know, recent years. She went missing in 2011. If you go over to the page, you'll see that her mom updates it frequently, and um, it's usually with posts about the family, uh, how they're doing. Um, it's almost as if she's looking to see if Cindy's looking at the page, and it's, it's really heartbreaking. Um, even more heartbreaking is it only has 90 followers, so the awareness for this case doesn't seem to be as much. Um, as far as her family goes, Cindy has two brothers um, that... I don't know if they still live at the home, but they were at the time that she went missing. Um, and they clearly love her and miss her. She has a huge family. They all seem to be very distraught over her disappearance. So um, in my research, I went to Cindy's uh, Facebook page and, you know, it's, it's pretty much not much on there. She hasn't obviously had any activity since 2011, um, but she... In that, I was looking to see if there was any way for me to determine who the father of her unborn child was because um, that's not listed on the Charlie Project. It wasn't obvious to me. I mean, there's people on there that are 32 years old now. So who, who's to say they still have the same Facebook page, much less, um, you know, are following her. 
Um, so I'm not sure who her baby daddy was. Um, she never did mention it. The only thing that we really have to go off of, of what happened to Cindy is speculation. And based on what we know about current cases or cases in the past similar to this, you know, what do we think that, you know, she did, what, what happened to her? Um, the family didn't post anything on Cindy's Facebook page at the time she was still around before she went missing in regards to her pregnancy. It didn't seem like Cindy posted it on her Facebook page. So it's unclear how they actually really responded to that initial uh, news of her pregnancy. Um, obviously, she was 16, so she may have been nervous. I did see a post that she was going back and forth with a girl that she called her bestie, which obviously means her best friend. And the conversations that they were having were about her being nervous and um, that she was worried about what they had talked about in fourth period. And then towards the end of that exchange, uh, Cindy had said she just is worried that she's going to get in trouble. Uh, if you look at the timing of that post and then her pregnancy, it seems to match. I'm guessing that's when she found out she was pregnant. And like any 16-year-old, how I was when I was 16, I would have been petrified of what my parents' reaction is going to be. So I'm not saying that her parents weren't supportive of her pregnancy, but I'm sure she was a little nervous to tell them that she was going to have a baby. So um, my point in saying that is that's really all I was able to find on just my internet search of this case. So what happened to Cindy? Possible scenarios are endless, but if we look at a few cases that are similar, we might get a better idea. There's actually a case recently, very recently, where a girl ran away in Baltimore and was reunited with her family after 20 years. It was really interesting to see the reasons behind why she left and also the way her family never gave up on her. The story that I am going to compare um, in a scenario is the one of Crystal Haig. This was just in the media, probably within the beginning of this year, 2019. Um, she left on her own accord when she was 14 years old. What happened was um, her mother had worked at a grocery store and in the morning, uh, Crystal had visited her mom and said she was going to go hang out with some friends and that, uh, you know, she'd be at home later. Well, she never returned, ever, for 21 years. And so she went on with her life. And when I say she went on with her life, she didn't have anything planned. She just left what she had and she started a new one. And this was 21 years ago, so you figure that was like before... The internet, so, you know, there's ups and downs with how her situation is. I mean, I guess with the internet, it's nice because you have your resources, but it's also um, easier to track people. So if someone's going to run away from their life nowadays, it's a lot more easier than I think it was back then to find someone, but I'm not sure. So what this girl did, this, this girl Crystal, is she ran away. Um, and when she was reunited with her family, obviously, of course, the media interviewed her. And what she said was she actually didn't get along really well with her siblings. She actually was miserable at the house. She was scared and she often snuck out. So when she looks back at everything, she's not seeing the same home life that was being portrayed on the media as far as, you know, a family that's loving and missing. She thought it was miserable. So she said in her words that she decided to escape. 
Um, she said when she was nine years old, she was sexually assaulted by a neighbor and she never told anybody about it. And it was ongoing and she lived with it in silence for years. And she felt like her mom had to have known. And when she reached the age, which was around 14, that's when she kind of started to realize, hey, wait, sexual abuse isn't right. This isn't normal. And, you know, now she started to resent her mom because she felt like you're not protecting me and you know about this, what's going on. So this was the reasons behind Crystal wanting to leave. And um, her mom, though, has said she had absolutely no idea and she would have absolutely never tolerated that. And she felt terrible that it happened. So on uh, the morning that Crystal ran away, what she did was she stayed with friends and she kind of hung out and then she got on a bus. Now, this was in Baltimore and she went down to New York City. She got off the bus and she lived on the streets for a while. Um, she actually found refuge in a Dominican neighborhood and she got a job cleaning houses and she adopted a new identity and she even changed her age. She actually changed her age. I think she ended up being six or seven years older than she really was. So uh, she, I'm not sure if she married, but I know she did have children and she actually was really happy and you know had a really fulfilling life. Um, what happened was her firstborn started asking about her family and that's when she finally reached out to them. So this girl that ran away reached out to her family and was like, look, all right, here I am. Um, so, you know, that's a possibility. I don't know anything about Cynthia, or I'm sorry, she goes by Cindy. I know nothing about this girl's life. I already went over what I do know so far just about this case. Um, from what I can tell on social media is just what you could tell on anybody's social media. It looks okay. It looks normal. No red flags or anything that I saw. Um, her missing page that her mom has, her family appears to, you know, sincerely miss her and love her. So, you know, I, I don't know that she would have wanted to leave them. So, but it's unclear. She could have had that same environment. I'm not saying she had the sexual assault thing going on. However, you know, she was pregnant um, and there is no mention of who the father is, but I'm definitely not accusing that. Another scenario would be uh, fetal abduction. Now, those are rare, and in one study I found, there is 22 known cases in the U.S. between 1974 and 2011. And the manner for reporting fetal abduction is not uniform across all states, so the numbers aren't exact, but a close representation of what was reported in the media, the court, and police reports is what the compilation of those cases came from. The first known case was in 1974 in Philadelphia, then 21 more from the 1990s through 2001 happened. In these cases, the abductors are primarily female and studies show that the motives stem from fears of being found out that they faked a pregnancy, they usually have troubles in uh, personal relationships, and fears of not having a child of their own due to lack of a partner or medically they cannot. Um, there is a rise in stranger fetal abductions where a woman will abduct a pregnant woman and perform a C-section on her to remove the baby. This increase is believed to be attributed to the growing measures in hospital securities and specifically on maternity wards. 39% um, of them are strangers while 61% are known to the victim. Abductors will find their victims in various ways. Uh, online is a really growing trend. They will find women in chat rooms for expecting moms or in support groups and lure them away. 
Other methods are through introduction from family and friends. And there's super rare occasions where women will be stalked outside of a medical facility where they're attacked once they exit. Um, on the day of the, on the crime, half of them met with the victim at the actual victim's home. Five of them met at the abductor's home and seven of them met in public places. 14 of the victims willingly got into their car with the attacker. They typically lure them out with promises of baby items. They pick on women who are less financially well off and see their needs and prey on them. Uh, there's one case where a woman reached out to a victim claiming that her baby items that she was expecting that she ordered online were delivered to that lady's house by mistake and offered to have the woman come over to her home. A typical fetal abductor is of childbearing age and overweight, compulsive, manipulative, and deceptive. She will frequently tell others that she has lost a baby or can't have children of her own and is motivated by the desire to give her romantic partner a child. She usually lives in a community where the abduction takes place. Some have posed as social workers and even nurses. The median age of a fetal abductor is 33 years old, with two of the oldest being 40 and the youngest being 17. They have likely suffered a miscarriage before, or at least they will claim to have. The races of the abductors vary, but primarily they are Caucasian women, and in majority of the cases, the abductor will be the same race as the victim, which makes sense so that the child is easier to pass off as their own. Most of them will be married or have a significant other, even have some children of their own. The criminal records obtained in the 22 cases that were researched found that less than half of the abductors had criminal records prior to the offense. And nearly all of the women were pretending to be pregnant at the time, and others believed them, and they will even prepare a room and buy items for the baby's arrival. Um, one woman went as far as to wear a fake preg uh, pregnancy belly suit. The rest of them will put on weight to make the appearance of them being pregnant more believable. Um, several attackers will use weapons or items to restrain or kill their victims. Guns are the most common, followed up by sharp objects. 16 of the 22 women died in the attacks, and six of the babies did as well. The six mothers who did survive did on their own accord by fighting back, escaping, or an intervention from a witness. The end goal for the attacker is not to keep the mother alive, and they solely want the baby. Now, this obviously is extremely rare. Um, I think since this study was done, I've heard personally, I follow a lot of true crime, and I've heard of a lot more cases of this than... Um, than just from that year. So I know there's more. Um, my opinion is I doubt this happened. Uh, it's possible that somebody knew she was pregnant and, and lured her away, but she was five to six months and she's a small girl. And I don't know at her young age and in her frame how much she was really showing. And most of these are stranger or, you know, a family introduction. So if the note is true and she is living with a lady, this kind of would fit the scenario in the sense that the lady may have lured her into false hopes of a better life of the pregnancy of the child and then afterwards help her care for the baby. I, like I said, I know very little, if anything, about Cindy's home life. I don't know what she would want to leave for or who this lady would be, but I, honestly, could be that kind of lady. And I'm not sure if any social media records were found, but she obviously had a Facebook, so that's a theory. Other possible scenarios are 
the father of the unborn child killed her. Well, as I said before, I have no idea who that person is, um, but according to the Center for Disease Control, or the CDC, the scenario is the most popular for pregnant homicides, I'm sorry, for pregnant women homicides is them being murdered by the father of their unborn child. Homicide is the leading cause of death for pregnant women. Um, that statistic is horrifying, but it's true. They are more likely to experience violence at the hands of an intimate partner during pregnancy, and that risk increases significantly if that pregnancy was unplanned. If he was underage and his parents didn't approve. I mean, it's possible that's a motive. It's also possible that she may have gotten pregnant by a boy that she was no longer dating and his new girlfriend may be upset. I mean, I wish I knew more about who the father was and we could explore this option further, but, you know, obviously the possibilities are endless. There was a case recently in 2018 where a teen killed his pregnant girlfriend because he didn't want the baby, and she did. And I'm sure there's so many more. Um, I just really didn't want to look, honestly. Um, sometimes I get too too much, and I just need to walk away from it. But um, because I don't know much about who the father of the child is, I really didn't have much more to go off of other than what statistics say, which ironically shows is the most likely. However, you know, it's, there's no real way to say. Um, one of my least favorite and final theories is that she was being molested by a friend or a family member, and that is where she became pregnant. This obviously is not my um, most favorable scenario because I wouldn't want to think that a child would be sexually assaulted by someone that they knew and trusted much less by anybody and then to get pregnant on top of it but unfortunately it's possible so we can explore that statistics say that some one in five women will be raped at some point in their lives which is disgusting um and in eight out of 10 cases, the victim knows their perpetrator. 96% of people who sexually abuse children are males and 77% of them are adults. 34% of the males who sexually abuse a child are actually a relative of the victim. In majority of the cases, the perpetrator will kill and dispose of the victim to avoid being caught because they are raping the child. Um, honestly, you know, I, this theory could be possible and it could support my first theory, which is her running away like she, um, like Crystal Haig. I mean, if this is this, the case, um, you know, she could have not wanted anything to do with the aftermath of having to have the baby, and then maybe they discover that the father is somebody else based on, I'm not sure, maybe something that the hospital discovers with blood tests. Who knows what she was thinking at 14? Um, or I'm sorry, uh, 16. It's, it's still just, um, I don't think this is the likely one. But if, like I said, you added in with my first thought, which is she ran away, this would be 
supportive of that, but it is an option. In all of the research that I've done, my opinion is she's still alive and she ran away. At least that's what I hope. Um, I only feel this after reading about what Crystal Hegg's story and seeing how she said her life was miserable and she wanted out no matter what. But in all of those years of Crystal being missing and her family pleading to the media, the side we saw was a missing, you know, girl and a, a destroyed family and a very distraught family. So we didn't see the home life that Crystal says she had. So, you know, that's very common. You don't really see the bad, they, especially when somebody goes missing. Nobody's going to be like, oh, yeah, we, we yelled at her all the time or we never gave her what she wanted. And you don't see that. So it's possible. Um, I'm not familiar with the family of Cindy, like I said, many times, but I do see she has brothers and a mom who recently, um, got married in 2017. I'm not sure if that's her birth father or not. Um, you know, they, maybe they renewed their vows, but perhaps in Cindy's teenage mind, she felt that she wanted a new life and left on her own. Um, Crystal was able to adopt a new identity and move on with her life actually really easily. At least it seemed like she had no issues being found. Um, she was the one who finally reached out to her family and Crystal changed her name. But she had an active Facebook page and she wasn't exactly hiding in a bunker somewhere. I hope my theory is right because I like to think she and the baby weren't harmed because that's just really devastating. If you have any information on the case of Cindy Vale, please call the Omaha Police Station at 402 444 Zero, zero. This will conclude the episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and like or rate it. I'm not sure which podcast app you're listening to it on, but I appreciate the support. Also, you can find me on Twitter at True Crime Corner and YouTube at True Crime Corner. I will be making a YouTube video of this podcast. Thank you.